The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How do you view your own success? Are you leading with compassion or are you considered ruthless? There is plenty of room for both types of leaders, but the best way to lead successfully is to balance boldness and integrity, using kindness and compassion to earn respect. Combine this with a go-getter, visionary, and aggressive drive to stay competitive. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks. We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and delighted that you've joined us today. Now, if you have never heard of the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour before and you want to find out truly what a Compassionate Samurai is, I encourage you to go back in our archives to the November 19th show and we talk about the 10 traits of the Compassionate Samurai. Today, we're going to talk about a completely different subject, one that's very near and dear to my heart, and that's the subject of brainstorming. So I think we've heard of the term brainstorming, but it's so much deeper than what the name suggests. And I want to share with you our guest today. His name is John Storm. Now, there's no irony that his last name is Storm and the company is Brainstorm. And what I want to share with you about John is he's the founder of Brainstorm Network. And he works with people who really want to bring ideas to life. Doesn't that just energize you, bringing ideas to life? Now, his focus is on helping people get unstuck, people who need a spark to fresh thinking and generate game-changing ideas, solutions, and results. So John's all about results as he's brainstorming. And he offers these innovative services from facilitation to training to consulting to speaking. John just does it all. And within this innovation arena, he applies specialty thinking and proprietary brainstorming tools that solve challenges related to strategic planning. Planning, or it could be marketing, or if your challenge is in sales or just change and leadership overall. So John's been facilitating high-end executive teams in the high-stake meeting arena for over 20 years. He's worked for firms like Delta Dental and worked with firms like Microsoft and Siemens. So John really knows his stuff. And then prior to founding Brainstorm Network, John actually worked in his family business. And I always like to know where did the guests, you know, where did those business acumen skills kick in? And they clearly kicked in in the family business, and I'll have John talk about that a little bit more, but he was the creative director of marketing and responsible for three of the world's largest retailers when he worked and supported his family's global sporting goods firm. Now, he's worked with firms like Walmart, 
in Brass Pro Shops as well as Kmart. And he also directed 70 sales reps. So, John, I want to welcome you to the show. Can't wait to dive into Brainstorm. And just I'm so delighted that you're here with us today, John. Thank you, Kathy. We're looking forward to a great visit with you today. Hopefully some good things to share with your listeners. Well, that's the plan. That's the plan. So let's get right down to it. Share with us, you started out with your family business in the sporting arena, sports, sporting good arena, and then you navigated over with a path into the business of brainstorming. Can you share with your listeners what that path and that transition looked like for you? Well, I was very fortunate in that I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, uh, usually where our dinner conversations revolved around one of my dad's latest million-dollar ideas. Most of those ideas were pretty crazy, but he did come up with uh, some that actually did turn into millions of dollars worth of business, and that really kind of started when he and my uncle started uh, our sporting goods company making fishing lures. The name of the company was Storm Lures, and I actually worked there for 14 years as the marketing director. And really, that's where I learned the value of innovation and brainstorming. Um, the company was sold, and, and I got the chance then to start a new venture and started Brainstorm Network back in 2001. Okay, 2001. My father also and mother also entrepreneurs. And I tell you, growing up in that kind of household, um, it was like getting a college education every single night at the dinner table. Was that your experience as well? We probably laughed more than we got an education sometimes because it but it was just fun to to see the spark to look for problems out there that my dad would see, and that kind of opened our eyes up to looking at the world in a different way and looking for solutions and so that was sort of my entree into uh, just the the world of innovation and creativity and just coming up with good ideas, which is what brainstorming is all about. Fantastic. Well, let's talk about that. I want to make sure that we're all on the same playing field in terms of the definition of brainstorming. So could you share with the audience your definition and parameters of what is brainstorming? Well, as a whole, brainstorming as a concept is focused on generating ideas. But I think that brainstorming has been put in a box. Most people think uh, brainstorming is where you gather a group of people around the conference room table and then you start shouting ideas at some poor facilitator who can't hear or understand or write fast enough. (laughs) Or you've got people lined up waiting to share and having to stage their ideas, and unfortunately this turns into a choke point. But this type of brainstorming was invented back in the 1950s by advertising executive Alex Osborne, who actually coined the term brainstorming. Well, he developed some of the basic rules, many of which are still valuable, things like going for quantity, no criticism, suspending judgment, and yet most people only know about this one brainstorming technique, and that's what they think brainstorming is. Unfortunately, it has several key flaws and has proven to be less effective than many other newer techniques. So I define brainstorming in two ways. First, sort of a large assortment of idea-generating activities and techniques that can be used both individually and in groups. So brainstorming can be done individually, not just in the traditional sense. And then the second definition I like is it's the early stage phase in the innovation process, which is focused on generating and capturing a large number of ideas. So it's not a standalone type thing. It's a part of the overall innovation process. 
Fantastic. So when I like to think about any tool that I want to put in my treasure chest to to pull out later, I always want to think about what's the value that this tool or technique is going to offer my clients or me. So share with us the value of brainstorming and the downside if we don't pick up this tool of brainstorming in our business. Well, the value of brainstorming is really focused on the value of a great idea. And even that, what's more valuable than that is a process or a system that generates continual ideas. So I'll tell you a quick story. Several years ago, I was standing on an old pier staring out into the Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) I was at the very end of Cape Cod in Provincetown, Massachusetts, and right behind me was the Witta Pirate Museum. Well, back in 1717, pirate Sam Bellamy and his ship, the Witta, got hit by the perfect storm, and they shipwrecked off the coast. Pirate Sam and his 145-person crew had just plundered 50 ships, (laughs) but only two of the crew survived, making it the worst shipwreck ever on the Cape. Well, one of the survivors testified that there were 180 bags of gold on the ship when it went down. The treasure lay buried for over 250 years when underwater explorer Barry Clifford discovered the ship less than a quarter mile from the beach. (laughs) Huge amounts of treasure buried under layers of sand and mud just waiting to be uncovered. Mm. The thing is that it's not that different in your own businesses because there are huge amounts of buried treasure right under your nose buried in the brains of your people just waiting to be uncovered. So when I think about the value of brainstorming, it's basically tapping into this buried treasure to generate more profits by increasing your revenues or reducing expenses. I think about it's a way to capitalize on the ideas of all your stakeholders, not just your own your own little team, but a bigger tribe or a bigger crowd out there, people that are interested in in your work. I think about just the thrill of making it rain more profitable ideas and helping build or create a company's atmosphere of innovation. So those are all real tangible things, but I think sometimes we forget about the intangible benefits of brainstorming, which is just the thrill of taking an idea from nothing and turning it into a powerful reality. It's the the good thing about taking an idea and becoming a better person or a better team to try to make the world a better place. So I'm pretty passionate about the value of brainstorming, and yet those give you a few ideas about why people should be interested. Well, and this really resonates with me quite a bit because I know in in the leadership trainings that we do at Clemmer and Associates, oftentimes our corporate clients are just amazed at these diamond-in-the-rough team members that start showing up during the exercises. And without pretty much an invitation to show up and be heard, those, as you say, those treasures would never be discovered. It would just be business as usual. So I love this concept of brainstorming. So let's segue a little bit into when do people really need new ideas? Because what you're really talking about is excavating those new ideas for the business uh, to take hold of. So when do you need these new ideas? Well, really, it starts with an awareness that you need some help, and that requires a bit of humility that things aren't working as well as they could or that you and your team could do better. So I kind of have a little acronym of three S's, uh, stuck, stale, or starving. And stuck means basically when you recognize you're 
really tired of facing the same old stubborn problems over and over again, and you want to make a change. Uh, for Sometimes I work with clients that are stale, and that means, you know, it's stale, musty air of old thinking where they need a fresh air and new perspective and looking at their work or their business or their market in a new way, and then finally starving because these people realize that it's been a long time since they've experienced the benefits of an exciting new idea in their company or their team. Boy, John, I need to ask you permission to to be able to talk to clients in the future about the three S's, and I want to attribute that to you and your work, but that really resonates because many of us are dealing out there in the business world with our own clients that are either stuck or stale or starving, and so this looks like an opportunity to provide even greater value to clients that we're going to be able to talk to in the future. For sure. I'm sure you've seen this in your own work, but there's also a fourth S, and that's strong. And strong just means sometimes there are companies that actually build these cultures, and they just want to keep getting better and better, and they recognize that they don't know everything there is to know about brainstorming or any other topic. And so those companies are pretty fun because they've got a great attitude coming into it, and sometimes it's fun to work with the strong companies as well. Right, exactly. And we typically in our organization, we're going to work with those that are struggling. We're going to be working with those that are just status quo. And then we're working with those those clients that want to get to that next level. So, um, and they're all our favorites that we can provide dynamic, as you can, dynamic uh, changes and results for all types of clients. So, share with more S's. What's that? A few more S's, yes. We're going in the status quo, so I'll probably be using those next week myself. Please do. do. Job brainstormer. Well, and it kind of, doesn't that hurt your heart a little bit when um, we we offer public track classes and then companies also can get in that status quo where, you know, they've kind of hovered around that double digit growth for years, but they've really never broken it um, or gone into that next quantum level. And it hurts my heart because they have the talent, they have the potential, and they're stuck in status quo, which is really nothing more than suffering from comfort, the disease of comfort. I totally agree. Yep, without a doubt. Well, John, I tell you, this first segment has gone really fast for us. I know what we have in store uh, for segment two, so I really encourage the listeners, stay tuned. You're listening to John Storm from Brainstorm Network and Kathy Fairbanks from the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Stay tuned for more of this segment. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you looking to get noticed in today's business world? Listen for Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is the show that will help you survive and thrive in business today. It's what you can do differently that will help you stand apart from everybody else in the field. Lisa Chickles and her guests can show you just how to gain that unique edge. Chat with Chickles can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. Are you a business innovator, or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks. And right before we went to break, we were working with expert brainstormer, John Storm. And John was sharing with us the four S's of what will help a company when it comes to brainstorming. And that is to take a look. Are you stuck? Are you stale? Are you starving? Are you strong and want to continue to get stronger? If you fall into any of those categories, then you're ready for some new ideas in your business. Let's look at brainstorming. Now, John, I do have a question for you. We're going to go to the dark side right now, and we're going to talk about are there any dangers of brainstorming? I can think of a few, but I want to hear from you, the expert, of what would be a danger to brainstorming. Well, I'm a lifelong learner, so I have definitely love to hear your list uh, and so uh, we need to talk afterwards but let me give you a couple things to think about I think the first thing the advice that I'd give to business owners or leaders is that they really be careful that uh, that they don't ask to do a brainstorming session and mask it and uh, thinking that they're going to ask people for ideas but when you already know what you want to do uh, people can smell that a mile away and so if you are truly interested in your team's ideas, then brainstorming can be great. But don't do a brainstorming session if you really, uh, if you already know what you want to do. I think secondly, uh, one danger is really not understanding the, the, the dynamics of effective brainstorming. Just how important things like trust and communication and a good process and preparation are. Um, I think another danger is to have too many ideas without having clear metrics to evaluate the idea after you're done. You need to be setting those metrics up on the front end before you do your brainstorming so that you'll know how to categorize and prioritize and select them afterwards. And then just a couple other things. Um, A big danger is just a lack of communication after the event. Whenever you do a brainstorming event, even though there's all different kinds of events, it gets people's hopes up and it increases their expectations. And 
well, they're interested in what happens from this kind of event, and it's a big danger to have a session and then not have good communication. And then the last thing is probably the worst, and that is to do a big brainstorming session and then not do anything different. <laughs> it's demoralizing to the entire team. So I often challenge people to at least come up with one simple thing that you can do pretty quickly from the session that give you a quick win and kind of inspire hope and build some momentum. But so many brainstorming sessions have happened over the years that nothing ends up changing, nobody ends up doing anything, and that really hurts people a lot. Right. I've been with organizations where basically the request goes out, you know, send us your best ideas, send us your best input, and you do that, and really nothing gets changed, or the loop isn't closed, where, yes, you know, they may say, great idea, it's on the back burner, that's a third quarter idea, fourth quarter, but not to close that loop is just um, disheartening, and I think it's human nature, then you, you hold back a little bit, ooh, do I really want to spend that that time uh, in providing some ideas where they, they feel like they're just going into the circular file? Yes, that really hurts people, for sure. Yes. Yes. Um, so what would be some of, I mean, you might have touched upon this, I think, a great deal with, with some of the, the dangers of brainstorming, but what would be some of the obstacles that one would face during a brainstorming session? What do we need to look for and be prepared in terms of obstacles? Well, there are many things that can get in, in the way of better brainstorming, and I think I'd start with just a list of some assumptions that some people have about brainstorming that can kind of hurt hurt you in the beginning. One is that innovation is only for creative-type people, and I really believe that everyone has the capacity to generate ideas. Some may be better at it than others, but everyone has the chance to share, and it's not just for creative types. Another assumption is that brainstorming takes a lot of time. And it, it really, the reality is it doesn't have to. Um, I think another assumption is when you you use the boss or the, the leader uh, thinks that they can be the best facilitator. And as time after time, we've seen that really people hold back when the boss or their leader is uh, actually trying to facilitate the discussion because they are wanting to... You know, they want to politically be correct and not say things that are going to hack off the boss. So really, that's why you need a neutral outside facilitator for really high-stakes meetings so that the boss can also participate, but on a level playing field with everything else. Um, I think another thing, those are sort of the assumption side of things, but if I move to kind of a practical brainstorming session, uh, there are at least, I've got a list of 10 different things that at the end of our program, I'm going to offer to send that to people. That I call them 10 brainstorming blunders. And mm. the top two that I have time to talk about today is just the idea about inefficiency and that traditional brainstorming uh, is not very efficient where you're around that conference table all yelling ideas at somebody trying to capture them. And so uh, that's where the facilitator ends up being a choke point or the bottleneck. And the, there are better ways than that. It doesn't mean that you never do it. It's just that that's not the best way. The second big uh, obstacle is just the idea of social pressure. And this is what many of the studies have shown, why traditional brainstorming doesn't work very well, because people get inhibited from sharing their ideas 
mainly because they don't want to look stupid or be embarrassed. And that's where it's important to build a, a culture of trust and set up ground rules on the front end, as well as look for other techniques that aren't as, um, I'm going to call it social, as uh, the traditional technique has been. So there's a couple. Well, and that that really guides an organization from a healthy aspect of um, wanting employees, wanting team members to be heard and to be heard in a way that feels safe, not retaliatory and not judgmental. So um, I love the the fact that you're talking upon the social pressure and I can't wait for for what you're going to offer the listeners at the end of the show. So I can't wait to hear from that. So do you have brainstorming clearly is so much more than I originally thought it was. Do you have a model that you use for brainstorming? I do. There, in fact, I got several different things that I use. I usually start out with one that I call the high stakes innovation process or model, and and that's another thing that I would am going to offer to send to free for free to anybody that wants it after the program. But basically, it kind of outlines twelve key steps to any kind of innovation process, and then within those twelve steps, there are three main phases, and that is another model that I use. It, I call it the HHH stands for head heart hands, or another way to put it is thinking, engaging, and doing. So this model is particularly important when you're thinking about the holistic side of innovation. Brainstorming is just one of those elements. It's actually step number six. So there's five thinking steps that happen before you hit the engaging phase, which is when you engage people with the problem and boom, began to do set up some brainstorming initiatives. So those two models are something that I think when you see that visually, uh, our listeners will be able to get a feel for where brainstorming fits within the overall innovation process. Well, and I love the fact that you're using head, heart, hands because um, clearly your head and heart are going back and forth, uh, telling your conscious and subconscious what to do, not to do, back and forth and all of that. And really shifting, I think what you're talking about really is shifting someone who may be a compliant team member because it's their job and it's what their boss said to do to transitioning them over to a very committed team member and that's a completely different come from uh, if you can have a, a team that is committed to the project, to the job to the results, to the goals um, Yes, that's it. for sure and that kind of ties into one of the other tools that I've created that I call Change Dynamics which is really kind of identifies the six reasons that people change Three of them are positive, three of them are negative, and it's important for people to kind of understand when you're in an initiative, uh, change initiative or trying to innovate, what are the drivers that people have that are going to move them towards hopefully your new solution? Um, so that again, this is I'm going to send a variety of tools to anybody that wants them afterwards that that they can use with their teams. Thank you, John. And that sounds like a whole a change dynamic show. Sounds like an entirely uh, different show. So we're going to want to have you come back and talk about some of these other topics that you're introducing. So help me out here. Who are the best brainstormers? Is there is there one type, one role? Who are these best brainstormers out there? Well, I, I, as I said a minute ago, I believe that everyone is creative and that we all have the ability to generate ideas. Um, 
Some of them may be more naturally gifted at seeing things differently or recognizing opportunities or patterns or looking at problems as challenges, but generally the people that are the best brainstormers are those who are open-minded, who are curious, who make connections, who are unstuck or at least desire to be unstuck and and that they want to grow and learn and share. I, I think that uh, there have been a lot of talk about the the challenges of most social groups when you're doing these kind of brainstorming sessions between the extroverts and the introverts, and that's why I've developed quite a few tools that are very good for introvert-type uh, people because they oftentimes generate more ideas than the extroverts because they think about it, and they well, you just have to use different techniques to get them to participate. So uh, really the best brainstormers, I think we also have to talk about the fact that I think a lot of companies get stuck in just using a small number of their team to brainstorm, and I really try to challenge them to look for ways to find ways for all stakeholders that to be able to generate ideas for them. And that may mean in different ways. It might be through a survey or through uh, a phone call or an inter- uh, just all different kinds of techniques. But I've tried to develop a process that can harvest ideas from four different types of groups. One, the individual. Two, the team. Three, the tribe or, you know, your entire stakeholder group. And then lastly, the crowd, which there's been a bunch of talk lately about how using the world as the crowd that can oftentimes feed ideas into your initiatives. Wow. That, and, and each one of them are going to have their own unique characteristics. Can you give us a sample, a tool, maybe one or two tools in which you would assist an introvert to engage in a group or a team brainstorming session? What, what technique would you utilize to, to start pulling out their knowledge and their creativity? Well, one thing is uh, generally the first thing, and this kind of is a good good segue to, uh, for us to think about different types of tools. There are idea capturing tools. So these are the actual tools that you use to gather ideas. That may be a flip chart or a voice recorder or a sticky note or whatever. You know, an introvert generally is processing a lot of stuff inside their heads. And so... Mm-hmm them a way to be able to capture their ideas by writing or by giving them access to a database or just asking them to email or text. I mean, you know, many times that uh, keeps them from having to worry about the social element or to have to fight over the voices of the loud extroverts like me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, John, we are coming up against another break. So what I want to do is invite the listeners to stay tuned. We're going to have more to explore around the tools and techniques of brainstorming. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Stay tuned for more. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network what does a visual workplace mean to you how does it contribute to operational excellence and what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place listen to the visual workplace work that makes sense to find out 
Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Your entrepreneurial vision has taken hold. Your business is growing. It's everything you hoped for. Or is it? With growth comes bigger headaches, more hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more employees to manage, more plates to juggle, and more demands on your time. Get off that merry-go-round now. Tune in to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. You'll meet street-smart entrepreneurs and business leaders sharing their success stories as well as practical solutions to the unique challenges faced by growing companies. Heard every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and joining me today is brainstorming expert, John Storm. Now, John travels the world helping teams, individuals, tribes, and entire crowds worldwide to really hone in on the best access and tools for brainstorming. So, John, question for you, what kinds of preparation would one really need to make to to exercise their very best brainstorming results? Well, one good metaphor that I use on the preparation side of it is um, basically importance of building a great foundation for any kind of skyscraper. And you need the same thing when you build your skyscraper of ideas because you've got to spend a good portion of time just getting ready before you actually do the event. Back when we talked about my high-stakes innovation process, the first four steps are thinking steps that are getting you prepared for the actual brainstorming session. And so, uh, you know, there are important preparation activities like just getting your head on straight, your mental attitude, uh, a warm-up exercise, the logistics and how they can affect the room or, I mean, affect the outcome by... Simple things like the room and the temperature and how the setup is, um, what materials you've got, what tools that you've got, what techniques and tricks, and then what are some surprises and stories that you can put in there. These are all part of the preparations required for the best brainstorming. So I have a lot of things. I think if there's one kind of overall macro tip that I would share, it's just to remember to, as Stephen Covey said in his Seven Habits book, to start with the end in mind. What is it that you really want to see as the final outcome for this brainstorming session? And then really dig into what you can do to maximize each individual session that you do. 
Fantastic. I'm a big fan of that reverse engineering process and really deconstructing uh, the entire model and the process. So I'm glad to really hear you uh, cite Stephen Covey's work as well. So what kind of problems do you specifically help your clients solve? What would be some of the problems that you can get in there and help tackle uh, where it's going to go much faster if you're involved versus, let's face it, left to our own devices? Well, usually the situations that I get called into are ones where I can come in and help with a high-stakes issue of some sort that has a, a, some degree of flexibility and where there's usually at least a million dollars on the line in some way. That may be a problem that they're having. It may be an opportunity that they face. But the arena uh, that that gets applied to is a lot broader because sometimes that turns into strategy work because I do a fair amount of strategic planning type things when there are change initiatives where you need to engage people in change and try to manage that. And yet sometimes it turns into just opportunities in the marketing or sales or business development world where they just need somebody to help their team get the ideas out of their heads to reconfigure them in a way that the team feels ownership in and then develop a plan to actually go after it. So those are the kind of things, really the high-stakes issues and million-dollar problems are the kind of problems that I tend to help people the most. Well, and that makes sense. And the fact that you're coming in as the expert subject matter to extract those out, you don't have to know how the widgets are made, but you definitely are the expert in in extracting out those creative ideas. And I know sometimes we can just get bogged down with our own culture, our own persona of what's going on in the company, um, and you're able to extract out much more um, than someone within the system would be able to extract out. Um, Let me jump in there for one second because oftentimes I get to serve as a pollinator because since I get to work in so many different kinds of industries that I'm not stuck in just one industry and that is usually what happens with people as they get kind of just in their own sandbox. So I can come in and kind of share a few things and ask some key strategic questions where they discover the solutions themselves and come up with new ideas and every now and then I get to share a few ideas with them as well. Well, I love that business term. I've never heard it before in business, but the pollinator. And that just makes so much sense because you get to hear the best of the best from multiple industries and really reconfigure without sharing any confidential information all of that wisdom from client to client. And I know that's what we're able to do uh, at Clemmer & Associates as well. It doesn't matter the industry. So fantastic. I'm sure you've enjoyed the best of the best is great, but I think- I think sometimes the best value that we bring is when we tell them the worst of the worst, because oftentimes we help people avoid the disasters that have happened that other people have had, and then they don't have to repeat the mistakes themselves. So that's kind of the fun part is when you can share both the best and the worst uh, with your clients to keep them from having to repeat the same mistakes that other people have already done. Yes, that, I love that. I absolutely love that. So share with us so that the listeners get a good flavor of what types of services you offer. Could you give us an idea of what the range on your services, uh, what are they? 
Yeah, I'll make it pretty quick. I mean, really, there's four areas that I do work in. The first is in the facilitation area, and I actually just launched a new website here recently, and for the first time in uh, at least a little while, (laughs) I think it's pretty clear about the types of things that I can help people with. So facilitation, that's usually these high-stakes meetings or board retreat, strategic planning process, team building, those kind of things. Secondly, I do consulting work where we're working on, you know, big problems of some sort where there's great complexity and they need some strategic thinking and somebody to come alongside and help their team uh, think even better. I also do some training in the innovation field where we take leaders and managers and even just frontline employees and help them learn some new techniques that they can apply in everyday innovation. And so that can be kind of fun and really it has a longer lasting impact because it's not me catching the fish, it's me teaching them how to catch the fish to use the old Chinese metaphor. (laughs) And then lastly, there are a few times that I actually get invited to come and speak at different events and um, those are... Those can be a lot of fun, but I I enjoy the interaction, so sometimes the frustration of one-way speaking, I don't like just being a talking head, and so I try to create some engaging opportunities more in sort of a speaking workshop fashion, and so that's, that's really the four kinds of services that I offer. Fantastic. And so what I'm really envisioning is you rolling up your shirt sleeves and really getting down to the meat of the matter, the heart of the matter with your clients and helping them pull out all of the innovation and all of the ideas that they have the capacity uh, to share. Um, So how do you describe your ideal client then? We know it's not necessarily the on-stage, off-stage client. So how do you, who are your favorite clients? Not names, but but types. (laughs) Well, some of them might appreciate that. But I think really (laughs) if I had to give a couple of basic terms, and I know this is a great exercise for every business is try to identify who their best fit client is. For me, most of the time it's open-minded people. So I really market more to a mindset of people that are open and collaborative people that want to create or enhance their culture of creativity. Um, We all like working with positive people, and then an ideal client usually has some sense of urgency. They've got, they want to do something fairly soon. They're tired of the problem. They want to get on it. This isn't something we're going to mess around with next year. So, Again, we kind of already described sort of the a client that has a million-dollar problem or a high-stakes issue or some kind of strategic opportunity that they want the, a team to be working with because I, I like working with smart people and coming alongside trying to help and guide them, not about me, but about trying to add my skill set to bring the best out of their teams. Fantastic. I'm reflecting back on some pretty phenomenal bosses I've had over the course of the years and um, bosses who really go out and try to surround themselves with people who are smarter than they are, who are experts in different areas where they don't have that expertise, but they're the visionary, they're the leader, they have the people willing and wanting to follow them. Um, so I can see where pulling in a brainstorming expert uh, when you're a good leader already is going to just take you to the very next level. So now share with us some ideas of who, who aren't good fits. I realize you're, you know, not everybody's going to be your best fit of a client. What would be examples of they're just not a good fit for you? 
Well, I get along with most people pretty well because I enjoy the variety of gifts and styles that that I find, and I enjoy the relationship side of things. And yet, I guess if there was one set of people that I don't usually find a great uh, connection with, it's we call them KIAs, uh, know-it-alls, basically people that have a pretty high level of arrogance. And arrogance to me is different than confidence. I enjoy working with confident people, but people that are arrogant, really it's kind of my way or the highway kind of leadership. And I, I'm a more of a collaborative thinker, and so if, if somebody's really that way and they're not open to suggestions about how to do things, then I kind of know that's probably not going to be a good fit. You know, there are also people, I like the way you described your, your old bosses, that the ones that weren't threatened by outsiders, that they saw mm-hmm. value in working with outsiders. And so, you know, that doesn't work in every company because there's a lot of companies that have very smart people working, but I, it's not usually a good fit if that culture isn't really open to having outside counsel at some point. Well, and that makes sense. I know in the work that we do at Clemmer and Associates to really, and our work is is very different, but yet fits hand in glove with what you do, um, we'll identify, we talked about comfort, people being addicted to comfort, and another addiction that, that we find oftentimes in companies um, would be that addiction to be right. That need to be right is that driving force. And um, we'll work very diligently to take leaders, teams, employees on that path of discovering the prices and benefits that they're paying for their need to be right. And yes. um, Right, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree. Uh, That's the problem. I guess maybe it's coming, for me, it comes from the many mistakes that I have made and what I've learned from those and and certainly made mistakes in wanting to be right as well. So maybe I'm uh, growing up and getting a little more wise. Right. And I think it underscores how we all are human and we have this lifelong learning lesson to to, uh, hear about without a doubt. So you've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks. I encourage you to come back for our last segment. We're talking with John Storm. He's sharing a lot of wisdom around brainstorming. And I want to get into some case studies that John has had success with. And then there are some gifts that John has been so generous to offer with our listeners. Today, stay tuned for more. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Tune in to the Soul of Enterprise Business in the Knowledge Economy with co hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. 
If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get a unique and playful insider's take on the biggest stories in tech, media, and entertainment. Join Lori H. Schwartz, well-known technology catalyst, comedian, and geek girl, as she and leading experts in the media and content business dive into the biggest stories in technology trends, consumer behaviors, and its impact on Hollywood. If you're looking to respond to the tech-fueled changes in the marketplace, then tune in to the Tech Cat Show Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business and syndicated to Voice America Women's Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is Kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fearbanks. Joining us today is brainstorm expert, John Storm. And John, we were talking about various aspects of brainstorming. And one of the questions, I know you have a term, a technique that you use entitled beyond brainstorming. So share with our listeners, what does it mean to go beyond brainstorming? Well, Beyond Brainstorming is a program that I offer, and yet it's also really kind of a mantra that I use because there's three things that I have kind of looked at for how to flesh out what it means to go beyond brainstorming. The first is just I really want to help people go beyond traditional 1950s brainstorming because I want them to know that there's lots of techniques they could use, and if they don't find one that works, then they can create new ones. So there's new ones coming up all the time. In fact, I just invented one yesterday. I was driving down the highway, and boom, came up with another one. But the second thing is basically to to remember going beyond brainstorming means that you have to focus on what happens after the brainstorming session. So the ideas have to be evaluated, prioritized, selected, and ultimately acted on. And then finally, beyond brainstorming to me reminds me that brainstorming is not an end in itself. It's just the early stage activity to your overall innovation process that's seeking ways to improve all areas of your business. So probably the best example I could give for you came from my years in the sporting goods business, and uh, I was in the industry for 14 years, and we made fishing lures, and we had one lure called the chug bug. It's my favorite lure. It's a topwater lure, catches all kinds of fish, but sales had shrunk on this lure to only about 10,000 units a year. And so we were stuck, and we needed a game changer. So we did a big brainstorming session with our team, had about 10 or 12 people in there, had a wide variety of ideas, and we came out of that meeting with a whole bunch of ideas, and we went to work. Well, the short story is that we took the chug bug from 10,000 units a year to over a million units per year in one year. And this totally changed our sales, our profits, our company, 
and more importantly, our culture, because our people got fired up about having a hunger for growth. And so, uh, you know, I, I use this story as a way to challenge people that, you know, going beyond brainstorming can lead to very tangible results, ultimately results that help the culture of your company and the attitude of your people. Well, I'm so glad I asked that because you were able to really showcase the hands part um, of the, the the heart, the hands technique that you use. And so I love the, the doing part that you described. And the way that I was first introduced to you and your business and your expertise was through a gentleman by the name of Jim Stovall. And Jim has been on our show several times, the founder of Narrative Television Network, movie producer and author. And he was bragging on you a little bit on one of the shows saying um, a technique that you utilize where I'll just summarize a little bit where you have a group of people and they've they've basically vetted all the ideas that they think they've had. And then you challenge them to go one step further and pull out even more ideas. When they think the book is closed on all the best ideas, you open that book and kind of put an epilogue in there. And I just love the thought that you're not going to let people rest on where they think they're really finished. There's, there's beyond that finish line. I love that. Well, Jim Stovall is an amazing person, a great example, my friend and my mentor, and he has certainly, I mean, he has more ideas than I do, I think, and so um, <laughs> uh, it's a good compliment that he got something out of it. He and I did a session together a couple of years ago, and then we did another session last last year, and he just really kicked my butt on a couple of good things to get me off on a few things I was working on, and so I'm grateful for him, so... Many techniques out there, that's for sure. One more is one of the best. I love that. I absolutely love that. Earlier in the show, you mentioned that an individual can actually brainstorm. And I really had not thought of that concept before. Uh, I'm sure I do it all the time. I just don't call it brainstorming. Can you outline a little bit about how an individual would brainstorm and what that might look like? Maybe pick a topic and and sketch it out uh, for us visually a bit, if you would. Okay, well, I call it solo storming, so you're by yourself, you're needing to come up with some new ideas, and usually you've got your capturing tool is going to be a piece of paper or your computer or whatever it is you work. I like index cards a lot because they're pretty simple and easy to use, but we talked before about two different kinds of tools, idea capturing tools, and then there's also idea sparking tools. So if I'm solo storming, then I am going to be trying to come up with some prompts or props or stimuli or techniques that I can use to spark new ideas. So these may be words, images, videos, card decks, objects, experiences, scavenger hunts. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can do. And one of the offers that I'm going to have in just a minute is a a very simple little tool I call the pocket innovation tool that has seven different techniques that you can use to spark new ideas. I'll give you one example, and that is uh, one of my favorites. It doesn't work for everybody, but I call it animal storming. And I've got a picture, 13 pictures of 13 different animals on this little sheet. And so let's... Let's take a look at, I don't know, let's say an elephant as one of the animals. I'd be thinking, okay, what are the human characteristics that we associate with an elephant? You know, that they're strong, that they are have a great memory. And you would use these 
pretending that you're this animal and trying to come up with a solution to your problem? How do we come up with things that stick in people's memories? How do we come up with things that are strong? How do we come up with um, something that needs to be protected? And, you know, this was just one quick example, but, you know, each of us are motivated or by different types of things. Most of us are pretty visual, and so anytime that you can come up with a, a big pile of images, sometimes I'll just get, go to the library and get a couple of magazines, magazines that I don't normally look at, and just kind of scan through these magazines, thinking about what I see there that might spark some new ideas for whatever topic that I'm working on. That Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, that helps a lot, especially from an individual and entrepreneurial uh, perspective. Now, John, I want to make sure that our listeners have plenty of um, ways to get a hold of you. Could you share with us how will a listener best reach you? Best spot is going to be my website, www.brainstormnetwork.com. And this is probably a great chance to just say, hey, I would be glad to send anybody that wants to send me an email. My email is going to be VOA, as in Voice of America, at brainstormnetwork.com. If you'll send uh, an email to VOA at brainstormnetwork.com and put VOA resources in the subject line, I will send you a copy of my High Stakes Innovation magazine for free, and it'll have the High Stakes Innovation model in it, a copy of this pocket brainstorming tool, which has uh, the seven different techniques. And then I have another article that just lists... um, that has this list of the 10 brainstorming blunders on it uh, that just kind of gives an overview of brainstorming, good, bad, and ugly. Fantastic, John. Well, you have been just such a beautiful guest for us today. Listeners, I tell you, I took a lot of notes. I hope you did too. Please take John up on the website and the the VOA, the subject line for Voice America, and he's going to have some fantastic resources available to you. You have been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Please join us next week for more of the Passionate Samurai Business Hour. Thank you for tuning into our show. You can hear the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, be sure to take action and create your own success.